This is the Education Exchange with Paul Peterson. I am the senior editor at Education Next. Thank you for joining us. Chicago public schools have captured headlines time and again over the past 15 years. Back in 2012, militant teacher union leader Karen Lewis called a strike that shut the schools for seven days. Teachers not only won major pay increases, but the school board promised that it would oppose the opening of any additional charter schools. Chicago Teachers Union has remained a force ever since, showing its power most recently with the election of Mayor Brandon Johnson, himself a former union leader. Despite all these battles, Chicago students improved steadily on the National Assessment of Educational Progress, or NAEP as it is called, the nation's report card. Uh, Chicago was such a success story by 2019 that progressive academics were celebrating it as the new school reform model strong unions, high salaries for teachers, little charter competition. Then COVID struck and teacher unions closed the school doors in Chicago for over a year. And the only instruction available was at home in front of a computer or at the local coffee shop if you wanted to do that. So the education costs of these closures have now become very clear. Over a two-year period, enrollments at Chicago public schools fell by 25,000 students, or 6.5% of the student body, was one of the highest in the country. And all the gains in math that had been accumulated over the previous decade disappeared almost overnight. In reading, half of the gains were lost. But how about Chicago's Catholic schools? Have they suffered in the same way? To discuss this topic, I am pleased to have with me on the Education Exchange, Greg Richmond, Superintendent of Schools for the Catholic Archdiocese of Chicago. Uh, Greg, thank you for joining me on the Education Exchange. My pleasure, Paul. Great to be with you. So, Greg, how about those Catholic schools in Chicago, and what was the pandemic's impact on Chicago's Catholic education? Did it suffer the same way the public schools did? Well, in, in some ways, you could say... Um, everybody suffered in some similar ways, but um, uh, but the Catholic schools in the Chicago Archdiocese had a very different experience. The, the families, the students, the parents had a very different experience during those, um, you know, about almost three years. The spring of 2020, like everyone, you know, in uh, March, April, May, uh, we switched to virtual education that spring. Everybody did that. Um, but then, as you just noted, the Chicago public schools stayed closed in the fall of 2020. We we reopened in-person instruction in the fall of 2020. Um, that was um, that was a Herculean effort to pull that off. When you, and we think back to all the uncertainty, all the unknowns, the fear. There was no vaccine at that time. Uh, but our schools reopened. We uh, did lots of hard work to make that happen. Uh, and stayed open for all for in-person instruction for all of the next two years. And as you noted, during most of that time, most of the next two years, public schools in Chicago were closed. What happened with us in terms of enrollment uh, was similar to what you saw everywhere in the country. In the fall of 2020, uh, enrollment almost everywhere declined. And really what was going on that fall was that parents of pre-kindergarten and kindergarten students didn't send their kids to school. I mean, it just made sense. Like, why am I going to send my four-year-old or five-year-old uh, to, to school in the midst of this pandemic? 
So we took a, uh, a hit on enrollment the fall of 2020. Uh, so did public schools everywhere. The next year, uh, our enrollment uh, went way back up, six and a half percent enrollment increase in the fall of 21. And that's similar to what you saw in a lot of public education around the country. A lot of uh, school systems saw their enrollment go up in the fall of 21. It's kind of a rebound from the decreases of the previous year. Now, what's changed is our enrollment uh, in Chicago and throughout Catholic schools nationally has stayed level in most places or ticked up in, in many places. Uh, whereas public school enrollment nationally continued to decline. So everybody went down the fall of 20, everybody rebounded the fall of 21. You saw in Catholic education as they, that enrollment continued to inch up a little bit while enrollment in the public sector declined. So, so that, that was our experience on enrollment. It, right, but tell me a little bit about that experience when everybody was concerned about uh, COVID spread and you opened in the fall. Did you actually see quite a bit of COVID spread because the students were back in school? Was that a, a fear which actually materialized before the vaccine came along? Well, there was a lot of fear um, among folks, uh, as you can well imagine, uh, but we implemented all of the protocols around uh, spacing and masks and tracking and reporting uh, it was a Herculean effort for two years to follow protocols. So people, there was a lot of fear, I, I think you should say at first, is this going to be okay? Um, keep in mind, people were dying by the thousands at, at that time. Um, so there was fear, but uh, a similar uh, or a greater effort in terms of implementing safety protocols. And what you started to see over time is we could do this. We could have kids in school, we could have uh, adults in school, uh, and through tracking, you know, so if you got tested positive, stay home. We did all those kinds of things to keep the people safe. And, and it turned out, uh, it turned out well. Academically, our kids continued to learn and grow over the past couple of years. Our academic results um, uh, went up the past couple of years, uh, while at the same time we saw in most schools, uh, academic performance going down. Well, nationwide, uh, the NAEP reports that the Catholic schools stayed pretty level between 2019 and 2022, uh, maybe a little uptick uh, in, uh, I've forgotten which grade and what subject, but basically level, maybe a little bit of improvement. Uh, you're saying you actually saw in Chicago on some other tests that you actually are showing uh, sort of like this Kids were learning as not only as much as before, but more than previous. Yeah, they 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 did. Um, we use an assessment uh, called iReady in our system, um, which allows us to do a lot of real time um, assessment throughout the year, and, and and teachers can use it for formative, you know, uh, evaluation of progress. So it, we can't do an apples to apples comparison of our scores to say the Chicago Public School scores, but we can see that um, the, the first year of the, the first full year, that, that 2021 uh, uh, year, uh, our scores stayed level. And since then our scores have gone up. So um, we're feeling very good about the academics. We feel, we feel like we were successful um, managing the risk in COVID uh, and I've enabled kids to continue learning. 
How about the social emotional side? And one of the things that I've seen in lots of data out there is that the closing of these schools had not only academically negative effects in the public schools, but they, the social effects, the emotional effects on children were every bit as great and, and as serious. Uh, did you see that on the Catholic side too? Yeah, uh, I think less so um, because our kids were in school. Uh, they were able to uh, see their friends every day. Now, mind you, a little bit further apart. Now, the first year um, when we reopened, um, we didn't have extracurriculars. Now, that was hard on kids. You know, all, all the sports were canceled, et cetera. Uh, that was hard on kids. Um, uh, but they were in school. They were seeing their friends. Um, the second year, uh, we reinstated the extracurriculars, and it was um, as much of a normal year you could have, you could say, except for most of the year people were wearing masks. So I think our kids were, uh, in, in our system, our kids were relatively fortunate uh, on the social emotional side, not unscathed. Um, certainly lots of people were losing, um, losing loved ones um, is a very traumatic experience. So not unscathed, but less, uh, their world was less upset because they were able to go to school every day. How about the teachers? Um... Did you lose a lot of teachers? Did you have to bring in new teachers because they were just afraid to, to teach anymore? Well, you know, we actually did better on um, on that than um, most people would guess. We certainly had um, some teachers who were um, more concerned. Maybe they had health issues themselves or lived with someone who had serious health issues, so they were concerned, you know, they didn't want to bring COVID back to a, a parent or a grandparent. Um, but we saw, I'll go back just about a year ago, and you might remember um, last summer, lots of talk in the national media about a teacher shortage and teachers fleeing uh, the profession and huge, and huge numbers of vacancies. Uh, last summer, about this time, we actually had our best year of teacher recruitment ever last summer. Um, now, we worked hard at it. it. You know, it just didn't happen automatically. But, but um, we had our best recruitment year ever last fall. And what I saw again and again in our Catholic schools is people, both teachers, families, principals, uh, staff, volunteers, people that committed to a mission, to a vision. Uh, I, I say frequently, nobody is working in a Catholic school to get rich. Uh, they're there for the mission, for the vision. And that actually was a really positive, powerful factor during COVID, that people made that personal commitment, put themselves, our teachers put themselves at personal risk because of a belief in the mission. And other teachers saw that in our schools, wanted to be part of that. And we had our best year on teacher recruitment ever last summer. Well, so what is the difference between teacher salaries at uh, the Catholic schools in the Chicago area and at the uh, public schools? You say well, there's a sacrifice here. How big is that sacrifice? Um, it's substantial. Our um, our teachers, now, of course, in the public, I, I should say the Chicago, the Archdiocese of Chicago covers the city of Chicago in about half of the suburbs. So it's not just this, our, our um uh, uh, the, the public system isn't just CPS. It's a couple hundred other public school systems in the suburbs too. Uh, so in their pay salaries vary 
all over the place. But generally speaking, our teachers and principals know that they could get at least a 50% pay raise by quitting our schools and applying and working at a public school, at least a 50% pay raise, depending on which school district they're going to. Um, some, some you could get, you know, that pay very well, they could double their salary. Um, I was, you know, I came, uh, Paul, from public education. Years ago, I worked for over a decade in the Chicago public schools. And then I uh, spent about 15 years working nationally in the public, in the charter school space. And when I started this job as superintendent of the Catholic schools in Chicago, and I saw the salaries that our teachers and principals were getting paid, I was astounded um, by how low they were. Um, and we're, we're working to improve that. But at the same time, it tells me, oh, now, like I said, no one is here to get rich. They're here because of commitment and the belief in the mission and the vision. So you were involved in the public schools and in charter schools for many years before taking on this position. I, you know, in the past, I think the superintendent for Catholic schools has always been uh, a priest. You know, somebody who's come up through the system and uh, now is the leader of uh, and had experience within it. So um, are you the first of uh, of, uh, of the new style? Uh, I, I, I am a first. I'm not the first non-religious person. Um, is my, my predecessor is a gentleman named Jim Rigg, who's also a lay person. But before him um, was a sister, uh, Sister Mary Paul um, was the superintendent. What I'm the first of is the first superintendent in our system who was not previously a Catholic school principal. Everyone that preceded me was a Catholic school principal. And, you know, when I was talking um, with the folks at the Archdiocese about the job, you know, that's something we talked about. Uh, I, I was raised Catholic. I've been Catholic my whole life, but I've never been a Catholic. I've never worked in the Catholic schools. My mother was a Catholic school teacher, but I'd never worked in them. So this was a, a very purposeful decision um, and thoughtful decision by the archdiocese here to bring in some new ideas. Uh, and, you know, some ideas actually in my case from the charter school sector and, and try to put some of those ideas to work in Catholic schools. Well, what are some of your new ideas? What, what are the, what, what is it that you're bringing to this position that's, that's, different from, from the past? Or or has COVID and the whole response to COVID become so enormous a challenge that that just is the job? Yeah. Well, I just finished my second year. And the first year, I would say way too much, way more of my time was spent on COVID than I wanted. Anybody could say that, I guess. But my first year was thrown right into the deep end on COVID crisis management. Um, and then... Um, finding time and making time for everything else. This My second year, fortunately, uh, we've been able to be much more strategic. COVID was much less of a factor this, this past year. Um, so there's a few things that um, I'm, I'm borrowing from the charter school world. Um, first and foremost, I'd say is a, a, a paying more attention to school leadership. School leadership specifically and um, and uh, um, uh, just our, our educators in general. So I mentioned how we uh, had our best year ever on teacher recruitment last summer. 
Well, that's part of what I said. The mission uh, it was attracting people, but also because we started working very hard, very deliberately the prior winter, putting in some place, place some things around teacher recruitment and strengthening uh, our teacher recruitment, strengthening how we prepared new principals to be a school leader. Um, I say, uh, I tell our principals in our system again and again, we have 154 schools. Um, that they, our principals hold the most important job in our system as the leaders of their schools. So there's a huge uh, commitment and investment to supporting them, helping them be able to succeed. Uh, and also a focus on, on academics. Now that sounds a little um, uh, strange maybe to some people as well, don't Catholic schools already have great academics? Well, sure, Catholic schools do have good academics, uh, but I walked in and I, and I saw, look, we can do even better than that. So we're putting in place some things like um, early grades phonics instruction um, that w w still is not universal um, in our system. But now we're, we're bringing that in. We're bringing the curriculum in. We're bringing the training in. Just try to, to boost that academics more. Some, some greater attention to leadership, a greater attention, really specific attention to academics. So. I'll tell you, I've been um, I've been borrowing people or using people from my prior charter life, from the Achievement First Charter Network, from the Charter Schools Growth Fund, like pulling on some of those connections, saying, "Hey, can you come help us? Can you come show some of our people the things you were doing at Achievement First that work so well?" And it's being really well received. Uh, people are appreciating the support and appreciating the attention, and we're, we're bringing some new ideas to our schools. Well, I like the fact you're focusing on instruction and also that you're uh, really picking up on the importance of phonics instruction as part of your reading program. That's a sort of a nationwide movement now. I know the mayor of New York has embraced it. The, uh, the New York City school system is supposedly going to move in that direction. And uh, that just is reflecting a big trend elsewhere that I think sort of began in the charter schools. Yes. It's had some academic support in the past, but I think the charter has really uh, moved that forward. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of the things I learned in the Catholic school space coming into it was Catholic schools have e even more autonomy than charter schools. That's something we talk a lot about in the charter school world is the autonomy of, of charter schools. Yes, charter schools have more autonomy than district schools. But I learned in the Catholic school world, Catholic schools have even more autonomy. So there's a little bit of herding cats, or a lot of herding cats that have been doing the past two years, um, uh, tr trying to motivate, persuade, bring along, cajole folks toward things like this, toward phonics instruction. So it's, 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 a, it's a great job. I'm loving it, and we're having some success. Well, one of the things that's happening in American education generally at the university level and at the uh, elementary and high school level is more and more people are being hired as administrators and as support staff and people who are not teachers. So the big growth industry, the great, big growth in education is in people who are not teaching. Is that happening in Catholic schools as well? Are you hiring lots of people who never see the classroom? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, another um, um, shock to my system when I came in, um, most of our schools, when you talk about administrators, um, have the principal and the office clerk. But, you know, when you go to that, that's what you see in terms of administration. We do have some 
that are fortunate enough, maybe they're large enough um, uh, that, that they can have an actual assistant principal to share some of those duties. Um, but very lean on administration. I'll tell you, when, my first day on the job, I, I, I came to the offices of the archdiocese and the, uh, my executive assistant like met me at the front door and she said, well, let me walk you to your office. And we, we walked, I think it took about 10 seconds to walk from the door, maybe 15 seconds, the door to my office. Okay, here I am. And I said, well, thank you. Now, now where, is, where is the rest of the staff? Where is the office? And she said, you just walked through it. That was it. Um, we have 154 elementary schools and another 40 high schools. So about 190 schools altogether. Uh, on my staff at the Office of Catholic Schools, the Archdiocese, we have 25 employees. 25. Now, by comparison, uh, you could multiply that by 10 in, in, you know, in a similar size system in the public world. Uh, so it is very lean, uh, mostly for better, mostly for better. At sometimes, though, we, we don't have the support that I'd like to be able to provide, especially around special education. Uh, there just isn't the dollars there around special, meeting the needs of special education kids. But mostly it's for the better to have that kind of lean staff because we really have to be smart and strategic about what we spend our time on. Well, in Illinois, the legislature a few years back passed a, a tax credit law that said uh, you can um, get a credit on your taxes if you uh, pay tuition to go to a private school, if you're of a certain income level. And uh, this was widely embraced as, a, you know, Illinois is now joining the, the school choice movement, so to speak, and is taking into account the fact that low-income families cannot afford to pay for a private education. And now just this year, uh, the legislature seems to have changed its mind again, and it's not doing that, uh, as I understand it. I may have gotten the facts wrong here, but you correct me if the facts are wrong. But the question I have is, was this did this have an impact on you when this law came into an effect and you see a new impact now that it's being withdrawn well your facts are correct uh, it was a, a five-year pilot program scheduled to expire the tax credit goes away at the end of this calendar year uh, so the spring legislative session uh that we just finished um a few weeks ago was almost the last chance to extend that that deadline. We, we have one more brief window in the fall where it still could be saved, but that's that's a really narrow window. Um, in the spring was the last good chance. There's 9,700 kids in Illinois that are receiving one of those scholarships. Every one of them is low income or working class. 60% of them are students of color. And there are 22,000 on a waiting list trying to get a scholarship. So 9,700 getting a scholarship, 22,000 would like a scholarship. And uh, unfortunately, the legislature did not renew or extend that program in the spring, despite significant efforts by, by Catholic schools. This is not just Catholic schools. It's um, uh, Jewish schools, Lutheran schools, private schools that are not religious, arts, you know, performing arts schools, um, uh, lots of kids going to all kinds of different schools in a really concerted effort 
to ask the legislature to renew it. What was really frustrating to, to me and to many others is that the governor of Illinois says he supports the program. The Speaker of the House says he supports the program. And the President of the State Senate says he supports the program. Somehow, despite that support from the three most powerful men in the state, it wasn't able to pass the legislature. Uh, now, it, it's not over. There's this small window in the fall. And I do believe those three gentlemen when they say they support it. But we have to turn that support into action and votes and actually continuing it uh, because 9,700 kids are depending on them. Uh, an even greater number would like to take advantage of it if we could expand it a little bit. So we're going to keep working on it. It's 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 been a it's been a it's been a nice program for us as a school system. As a system, we'll be all right if the scholarship program goes away. I mean, I mean it'll it will take a haircut, but we'll be okay. The much greater loss is for these 9700 kids where where their parents feel like they have found a school that works for their child, that meets their child's needs. Whether, whether it's a Catholic school or a Lutheran school or a Jewish school or a non-religious school, those 9,700 kids are at risk of losing their school this coming year. And that's who I'm really concerned about. Well, so let's hope that window doesn't close. Um, but, um, but now the cost of it, Catholic school education, I believe, has been going up very steadily over the last 20 years. Um, and it's not because of a growth in administration. So what's the drivers? Why is the cost of, of Catholic schools, which have historically been quite um, accessible to people of ordinary means, is now becoming more and more expensive? I know this because I have two grandchildren in Catholic schools. <laughs> yeah. And now that one of them is entering the high school, I know perfectly well how expensive this can be. So <laughs> why is this? <laughs> Indeed. Well, if that's a great question. If you take a long-term look at this, now I'll go back to, um, um, I mentioned my mother was a Catholic school teacher. So when she was a Catholic school teacher, um, about half of the other teachers in her school were nuns. Uh, and half were lay people. Well, there are almost no nuns left uh, in teaching in Catholic schools. So the labor market has changed for Catholic schools. I, I'm, I'm told even, you know, even longer ago, everyone was an, almost a nun. My mother says everyone was a nun when she was a girl in Catholic school. So if you take a long-term window, the labor market has changed. What's also changed is that um, parishes used to um, put a lot of money into their schools, you know, through the Sunday collection. Again, going back to things my mother told me, she said it, it was free to go to Catholic school when she was a girl. There was no tuition because the parish uh, paid for it from the collection plate. And over the years, parish collections have decreased as the number of parishes has gone down, mass attendance has gone down, and at the same time, fewer nuns, now almost no nuns. So we have a, two forces going in opposite directions um, in terms of expenses and income um, that are, are putting, uh, putting a squeeze on a lot of families. It's a sacrifice to decide to send your child 
to a, um, a non-public school. There's no question about it. And if, if you have one child, you know, in Chicago, maybe $6,000 a year would be a typical elementary school tuition for one child. Well, a lot of families can say, all right, we can do that. Two or three children, four children, or as you mentioned, Paul, high school. Oh, hold on. It, be, it becomes much more challenging. So that's a, it's a real uh, difficulty facing us. And that's part of the thinking that I was referring to earlier when I was brought in from the charter sector to say, well, can you bring in some new ideas that might help us solve some of these challenges? Is raising money part of your job then? Are you trying to get more money out of the collection plate or are there other uh, sources of support in the private sector that Catholic schools can tap into? We, um, we, yeah, we, we still have many schools, not all, but many schools still do get some support, you know, from their parish, from the collection plate. Some, some don't at all. I should, I should mention we have an amazing partnership in Chicago with a group called the Big Shoulders Fund, uh, which raises millions of dollars a year to send kids to inner city Catholic schools. They do a phenomenal job. Uh, we have... I should have said uh, our, our system is very diverse. Um, I mentioned city and suburbs. We have uh, kids in schools in inner city neighborhoods where almost nobody is Catholic and everybody is on scholarship. And then you go into some of the suburbs where it's the opposite and almost everybody is Catholic and nobody's on a scholarship. Um, but our, the Big Shoulders Fund is a partner of ours that raises millions of dollars to help those inner city kids go to schools. So we do that. We have the parish support. Um, we do a work, you know, our, our, our Cardinal Supich is um, very supportive of our Catholic schools and is well known. So we have a lot of people trying to pull together to support Catholic education. Well, what's been the impact of the controversies over sex education that's been sweeping through our school system? Uh, a lot of schools out there are uh, uh, approaching sex education in ways that uh, are, are controversial. There's a lot of uh, debates in the, in the public media. And I'm sure that's having an effect outside the public schools as well. How are you treating that very challenging topic in the Catholic sector? You're right. It, it is, a, it is a, um, an issue that arises in Catholic schools just like it arises elsewhere in society. So we do have um, uh, families that have questions around um, sex education or around gender. Um, we've had any number of students um, who have come to their principal or their parents have come to the principal and said, hey, our, our child um, who was born one sex, wants to be identified as a different gender. That happens in our schools. And we've taken um, an approach that maybe is a little different than you see in some places, um, which is just on a case-by-case -case basis. This is a real important and can be a challenging um, situation in our schools because what we want to do is tell those children in those families that we support them. Um, they are children of God, just like anybody else. We don't want to tell them 
that, you know, they're being cast out. At the same time, we do share with them what we believe in their Catholic faith, that, you know, we are, we are all born as male or female. That's how God made us. So we try to handle on a case-by-case basis, talking with the parents, talking with the student in some cases, and seeing if there are ways um, that we can work with those families um, that respect our beliefs while keeping the student welcome in the school. Now, we're not going to change our beliefs and throw out our beliefs and say, oh, we don't believe that anymore. But we also don't want to throw out the students. So it's a case-by-case basis. We have not issued um, any you know, universal laws or proclamations that says everything must happen this way, everything must happen that way. Um, but we've been handling as a case-by-case conversations. And really, a lot of our pastors have uh, been really good shepherds in these conversations, talking with the families, because most of them are parishioners of theirs. They know these families. So our pastors have played an important role having those conversations and trying to find a way forward. Well, Greg, this has been a great conversation, but I probably have forgotten to ask you the most important question. So what is it that uh, we haven't covered that uh, you feel our listeners would like to learn more about? Oh, boy. Well, you've asked some good questions. What haven't we covered? You know, I I think we've touched on it um, or more than touched on it. But what I've experienced in two years in Catholic education after 25 years in public education um, is that uh, Catholic schools are another option for some families. I don't want anything I've said, I don't want anyone to think that anything I've said uh, means that, um, oh, I think public education is no good or the instant, you know, that I don't want them to be successful. Hey, most of the kids who are Catholic in Catholic families in our archdiocese, most of our families send their kids to public schools. We want those schools to be successful for them too. Um, public education is a, a great institution in this country and it's worked well for many folks, but it, it you know, doesn't work for everybody. Uh, and Catholic schools are one option to give families that chance to find a school that works well for their child. And our, our families are better off, our kids are better off, our communities are better off, our country's better off if families have a variety of options that they can pick from and find the best one for their kid. If we do that as a country, if we do that, everybody wins. Everyone's better off if we provide that variety of options. Uh, so th- that's what I, I think I've, I've learned um, in my time in the two years in Catholic schools, this is an important option for families and actually for our country to keep our Catholic schools strong. Well, thank you very much, uh, Greg, uh, for uh, that uh, a very frank and open conversation about the state of Catholic education during the pandemic era and, and, uh, and subsequently. So thank you for joining me on the Education Exchange. Thank you, Paul. I've enjoyed it. I am Paul Peterson. This is the Education Exchange. I have been speaking with Greg Richmond, Superintendent of Catholic Schools for the Chicago Archdiocese. Please join me every Monday at noon when our weekly podcast is released on the Education Next website.